0: When you obey God, would you describe it as a responsive of duty or of love? How does it make you feel to know that God can transform you so greatly that you will actually begin desiring to live the way that he is instructing you? Well, this week on Connecting the Gap, last week we talked about principles for success. And this week we're going to talk about God's character unveiled. We're going to get into that on Connecting the Gap right after this. to another week of Connecting the Gap, a new episode uploaded for you this week. Hope you guys have had a great week so far. Hope you've enjoyed uh, yourself over this last week and everything that you've had going on. Hopefully God's blessed you in many ways. I'm excited to be back. Hopefully you guys are excited to join me another week and learn some more from God's Word as I endeavor to share with you what God has laid upon my heart. You can go to my website at connectingthegap.net. And you can check out my podcast, my blog, and my YouTube channel. Lots of Bible studies, podcasts, and all kinds of things there. And please share. Please go there and and check all that out and share it on your social media or wherever it may be. And let others know about it so that they can learn about God's Word and His love as well, just as me and you know it. So, as I said in the opener there, as they got started, this week we're going to be talking about God's character unveiled. Have you ever wondered who God really is? or what, what makes God who He is, and His makeup, and all that kind of thing. We're going to talk about that over this next couple of weeks, and hopefully as we finish this next segment of our study on the Great Divide, you will know it, have a better understanding of who God is, and how He can help you in your life, and the things and the battles that you go through. So this week, as we get started with this episode of Connecting the Gap, I want to ask you a very simple, but a very extremely important question. How do you see God? Have you ever thought about that, Uh, especially here lately? Even us as Christians, sometimes uh, we have a tendency, I think, to kind of get into the the same old, same old routine and the mundane, and we just kind of get in a rut. And we know that we're Christians. We know that we love God. We know that we go to church. We read our Bible. We may do our devotions every day, whatever it may be. But we never really stop and take some time to really think about how we perceive God and who He is. Or in other words, we don't stop to smell the roses, you know, the things that are right in front of us. And when you think about that question about how do you see God, try to avoid the Sunday school answers. Those little simple answers that, you know, every time somebody asks us something, we just kind of pop off, uh, you know, that God is love or... He's a savior or a friend or some other cliche answer that we use all the time or we hear other people use. The question isn't what you have heard is true about God, because all of those things is what we've usually heard about him. But we really need to think about what we really believe who God is. The question is what we actually believe. So just think about that. Think about what you truly believe about God and his character The reason for this question should be clear by this point into this study. The way that you see God determines how you will act. We kind of talked about that last week. If you want to change your response to temptation and sin, you must first change your perception of God. The rest of this this, uh, section that we're in right now is going to contain many questions that are going to cut to the very heart of how we see God, of how we perceive him. And who he is. This isn't information that we need to quote unquote learn. Rather each question is a chance for us to slow down and be honest with God. So we're going to go through these next uh, several minutes here. And I want to say we'll take it slowly. But we're not because we have a lot of territory to cover. But maybe after we're, you finished or you know, you listen to this back, maybe take it slowly and just think about the different things that we're talking and, and relaying as we go through this next section here of God's character. Open your heart. Let these questions that we're going to go over help to develop a better understanding of the way that you view God, and allow the, these things that we're going to be talking about to come inside and just transform you from the inside out. Do you see God as someone whose instructions will only steal your fun, and end up making your life boring? Or do you see him as someone whose instructions are meant to lead you to the fullest, most enjoyable life possible? A scripture that pertains to that is in John chapter 10, verse 10. Have you imagined God as someone who is not very interested in in your life? Or do you see him as one who is so concerned with you that his thoughts about you every day outnumber the grains of the sand on the seashore? as is talked about in Psalm 139, verses 17 and 18. Do you think God is always mad at you or waiting to slam you the first chance that he gets? Or do you know God to be someone who is slow to anger, full of patience, forgiveness, and kindness, as is talked about in Psalm 145, verse 8? Have you been deceived into believing that God has written you off because of your past? We all have baggage. We all have things that we've been through. Do you feel like you're unworthy? Or do you see him like a loving father who, no matter what you have done, waits for you to return to him so that he can heal and restore you, as is talked about in Luke 15, verses 20 to 24? Do you picture God as being unconcerned about your feelings? Or do you know that he cares so deeply about your concerns that he collects your tears in a bottle and he records every one of them? Yes, that's in the Bible. Psalms 56, verse 8. When you imagine God, is he someone who is unapproachable or distant? We all have people in our lives that we feel are unapproachable or that are distant from us, and it seems like we can never really come to them with anything in our life. They're not people that you would confide in or people that you would consider close to you. Or do you see God as someone who wants you to share your concerns with him because he does care for you, as 1 Peter 5, 7 states? Do you see God as one who cares about you in a general non-emotional sense? Or do you see Jesus as the one who, after giving his life for you, sits day and night before the throne of God to pray for you? Hebrews 7.25 talks about that. God is not some disinterested being who has given you instruction to follow but doesn't care about your happiness and your quality of life along the way. God is exceedingly interested in you. He cares about you more deeply than you could ever understand. He cares about your thoughts, your emotions, your future, your hurts, your pains. He cares about your freedom and your future. Did you know that before you were born, he knew you? He had designed a beautiful plan for your life. It is a plan that will honor him while leading you to great fulfillment and joy. What God does He puts the whole thing together. He completely finishes that story. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb, and that's in Psalm 139, 13. He created you perfectly for this life he has planned for you. When you were born, he rejoiced at the opportunity to get to know you. He wants to guide you to things so great that the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9: No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. But as you walk through this life, there is an enemy who is filled with hate and he desperately wants to destroy the very being of who you are and the life that you now live. He is always tempting, always prowling around. He's always trying to find ways, both big and small, to get you off course. He exists to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God, however, in his great love for you, He wants to protect you from harm. You are his prized creation. In his love, he instructs you not to follow the deceptions of the enemy. He gives you his word. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He continues to pray for you day and night. When you hurt, he hurts. When you fall, he picks you up. When you sin, he completely forgives you. And when you turn your back on him, he is always waiting, longing, like the father of the prodigal son, free to return to him. You can read that in Luke 15. This is the wonderful truth of who God really is. Perhaps you are one of whom the enemy has successfully made to feel worthless. Perhaps you can scarcely imagine a perfect God loving you perfectly as you are right now. We go through life carrying baggage, as I said before. We have a lot of people that hurt us. We have a lot of bad things that happen to us. We lose jobs. We lose finances. We lose possessions. Some of you out there that might come across this might even be homeless. You might feel helpless, but it does not matter. God created you and he puts you on the same level as any other person that he has ever created. He loves all of us equally. He is no respecter of person. And it does not matter how worthless you feel you are. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter how much baggage you think that you've brought into this relationship to think that you're so worthless that he would never love you or forgive you for anything that you've done. All of that is a lie from Satan from the enemy, because he wants you to think that he wants you to feel that way, but it's not true. God loves you and and Jesus loves you more than anything that you will ever know. This is the reality of God. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks about you. It doesn't even matter what you think about you. The truth is that God loves you perfectly and eternally. It is literally impossible for God to love you any more than he does right now. And it's hard to even fathom that because in our lives we love people We have relationships with people, but if you look at any of those relationships that you have, where you considered a love, we could probably love more. There's probably things about those people that we don't care for that might cause us to not love them quite as much as we really should. But God doesn't have that problem. He created us and created us equal and he loves us all equally more than we'll ever imagine. God's love is not conditional. It does not change based on your performance, past history or social standing. That definitely does not speak of the relationships we have with people. God loves you with the same love that he had for his son, Jesus Christ. There is a perfect, unchanging love that you can see with your own eyes. John 17 records the moments just before Jesus is betrayed and handed over to the Roman government to be crucified. Immediately before he is arrested, Jesus uses his last few minutes to pray for his disciples. In John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23, he makes it clear that he is not just praying for those who are with him now, but for all who will ever believe in him. He was thinking into the future. He was already covering all of us in prayer. Then in the last part of verse 23, Jesus asked the Father that through what he is about to do on the cross, we would be able to experience such unity with the father that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Think about that for a minute. God loves Jesus the way that he did, but he also loves us in that same level of love, that same aspect. We play a level playing field, even with his own son. God loves us as much as he loves Jesus. Just take a second for that to sink in. to think about that it's easy for us to understand that God the Father loved Jesus Jesus was called God's only begotten Son he perfectly obeyed everything the Father asked yet God loves you just as much it is then is as incredible as it is true because God loves you with a perfect love he can never love anything more than he loves you so while the enemy may try to convince you that God can't love you or that you're not worthy of his love God has declared that love for you by his unchanging word and proved it by sending Jesus. You simply need to make the choice to believe it. If you are realizing that you don't really see God as a loving father, whose every instruction is designed to bring you life, you must immediately begin to proactively change the way that you think. And the best way to do that is by immersing yourself into God's living word. God's word is not a normal book. God has anointed the Bible to transform our thoughts, our beliefs, our actions, all of that as we read it. As you meditate on scriptures related to God's character, your beliefs will begin to change for the better. This transformation will take time. So it's best to start right away. If you have not already done so, and you've not already started reading his word, there's no better time to start than now. Perhaps by reading and rereading the scriptures, you will come to understand that true love that God has for you. The character of God is perfectly good. It's like a loving father. He always desires what is best for us. Taking this truth from mere knowledge to firm belief is the key to experiencing God. As we talked about a couple weeks ago, we sing the song, Jesus loves me. This I know, well, we have to take that from just being words of a kid song to actually believing what those words say. The truth will cause us to trust and obey him when he asks us to do something, even if we don't understand why. When we live consistently in this manner, we will experience God in ways that we never dreamed possible. There's an illustration of this. The president of the United States is guarded by secret service agents who have pledged to protect him, even at the cost of their lives. Let's imagine that the president has just finished a day that was so busy He had not yet had time to eat. He arranges for a dinner at his favorite restaurant and when the food arrives, the thought goes through his mind, I can't even think of anything in the world I would desire right now more than to eat this meal. Just as he is about to take his first bite, the Secret Service agents swarm in and they say, Mr. President, we have to move you right now. Without a second thought, he gets up and immediately leaves the dinner behind because he trusts their intentions. It never even crosses his mind not to obey their instructions, even in the face of something extremely desirable. Only when you can see God as someone whose every instruction is intended to protect you, will you consistently be able to walk away from temptation without question. How many times do we question God? How many times do we say, why can't I do this? What is wrong with that? I don't understand what the problem is with that situation. But we have to get to a point where we don't question none of that anymore. We trust God for what he's asking us to do. When we truly trust him, we're going to be able to follow him, even when we don't understand it. If the president will respond with such trust to secret servants agents who have only protect, pledged to protect him with their lives, how much more should we give our trust to a God who has already given his life for us? He's already, you know, Jesus came to the cross and he died for our sins. He's went way above and beyond what those secret service agents have already done for the president. Our ability to progress and grow in our Christian life will always stem from developing a love relationship with God that produces trust. And as a result of that, a surrender, when we begin to grasp God's loving intentions toward us, we will put our trust in him. And the more we trust in him, the more we will obey him, the more that we obey him, the more we will experience him in our life. The more we experience God, the more reason we will have to trust him, and that cycle will continue, and it'll start embedding into the very being of who we are. But everything starts with grasping God's true character and his loving intentions. Take a moment to consider the difference that breaking the original deception will make in your life. Perhaps right now you want to obey God, but you're fearful of how that whole process is going to turn out. 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When you begin to really understand God's perfect love, you will no longer fear obeying him. It'll just become a normal process in your everyday life. Conversely, when you continue to fear, It is a a sign that you have not been made perfect love. Can you imagine what it would be like to live without fear? Can you imagine what it would be like to conquer some of your sins so completely that even your desire for that sin just dissolved? This is the type of victory that God wants to bring into your life. In Philippians 2.13 it says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. God's design is for you to be so transformed that you obey, not because you have to, but because you want to. It becomes the desire in your heart to do anything and everything that God has planned for you in your life. Jesus gives us a great illustration of this in Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had. And he bought that field in this verse. This man gives up everything he has to purchase to fill with the treasure, but he actually rejoices to do so because he knows what he is getting is so much better than what he is giving up. It's the same with us. When we realize what a treasure God is, we too will part with whatever is necessary to continue following him because we trust him and we know that he will lead us to good things. Jesus never intended for following him to be a drag. Where we constantly feel like we have to do things that we don't want to do. If it appears this way, it is because we have bought into the original deception. Jesus' desire is that walking with him will be joyful, a process of following someone we love in response to his great love for us. We're going to stop it here for this week, and we'll pick this up next week and and continue finishing this out. I love this section of this study because... It really makes you think a lot about how you really perceive God, how you really perceive Jesus and that love and that relationship that they have with us. It makes you really think about, do you feel like that you're worthless? Do you feel like that you're unforgivable? Do you feel like that you're unlovable? But yet on the the opposite side of that, the Bible proves that you are, you can be forgiven. You can be loved. Jesus died for us. He died for our sins. He took those stripes for our healing. And I hope that throughout this section, that if you do struggle with these thoughts and these fears and you fight with these things in your mind, I hope that this section will help alleviate a lot of that and, and get, help you get the victory over what Satan's trying to do in your life. Because as we've been talking about the last few weeks, all he wants to do is destroy you. So we'll come back next week and we'll finish this up. In the meantime, you can go to connectingthegap.net, check out all my material, my Bible studies blog and my YouTube channel, my podcast, everything's there. Please share and get more people involved to being a part of these studies as we do this together. And appreciate, and love you guys, and, and everything that you you stand for as a Christian. And if you're not a Christian and you would like to have some prayer, you can email me at ctgapatoutlook.com and I will stand in the gap and pray with you that God will reveal to you who you really are in Him. Or if you have a situation in your life that's causing you to not be a Christian and to sin, I would like to pray for you with that as well. And please utilize that email address. Subscribe to all of my channels, and I appreciate that. Appreciate all the support that you can give me. Well, I'll be back next week. You guys have a great week, and we'll come back and finish this next part of the character of God next week right here on Connecting the Gap.